Welcome to the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast, sponsored by WebSpy. It's April 24, 2010, and this is episode 240. As I didn't talk about the February assignment winners last month, here goes with a two-month instalment, including some of the winners' backstories and my own brief comments about the winning images. Before we jump into the main topic, I'd like to say a big thank you to our sponsors, WebSpy, the internet monitoring, analysis and reporting specialists. And as usual, I'd like to ask you to tweet the message Thanks to at WebSpy for sponsoring the at Martin Bailey Photography Podcast on Twitter to show your support. To find out more about WebSpy and their products, go to webspy.com slash MBP and use the discount code MBPWSY for a 10% discount on anything that you buy. Let's start with the results of the February assignment with the theme, Anything Goes. Remember that I actually now announce the winners of the assignments in the Photography Forum at martinbaileyphotography.com, so this is old news to many of you, but we'll still go through the winners in reverse order. Note that you can view the images on your iPhone or in iTunes if you subscribe to the Enhanced Podcast. You can also see all of these images on my blog along with the transcript and there are thumbnails on my podcast's archive page too and all of these are linked to the top page at martinbaileyphotography.com In third place was Mark Carline with Crossing Over the River D. First, let's hear what Mark told us about the image in his backstory. It was a freezing cold night in Chester and it also looked like it was going to be a foggy night and so I grabbed my gear and headed out towards the groves in Chester. It's an amazing part of Chester by the river that during summer is full of buskers, ice cream stands, people rowing on boats and generally having a good time. But this cold night it was freezing and hardly anyone about. I originally went out to take some HDR night shots around that area and then a couple walked past me. I quickly grabbed my camera, set the ISO to 1600 and the aperture to f2.8, the fastest my lens will go, and then handheld fired off loads of shots as they walked away, over the, uh, from, walked away from me over the bridge. I was very lucky to get one decent shot at a sixth of a second exposure being handheld a good job I hadn't had a coffee beforehand or my hands would have been shaking. Very little was done to the image in post-processing other than a slight crop. Well, I love this image, Mark. You really captured the mood of the moment. I can also almost feel the cold air in the atmosphere. The colour is great too, almost like you converted it to a sepia-toned monochrome image if it wasn't for the hint of green in the tree to the left of the bridge. At 33mm you did do a good job of holding this still for a sixth of a second. The only thing that I'd possibly like to see or like to have seen done differently with this image is a slight rotation to the left, um, especially as there's, you know, there's been a slight crop done as well. Um, other than that, it's just perfect in my opinion. In second place we have Elise, username Cheshire Cat, with the image Coats of Red. Here's what Elise has to say about this image. 
I became interested in action shots over the past year, particularly of horses. The Amwell Valley Hounds Club meets twice a week during the hunting season when the conditions permit. Although I'm not a cold weather person, I found myself travelling to their meets and braving the frigid temperatures. I was lucky to be in the right place when the huntsmen came riding across the fields with the hounds all together and the other riders right behind it. The contrast of the red coats makes this picture, although I tried a sepia conversion, the colour is better. Another wonderful image here, the composition's great and... As you say, Elise, the contrast of the red coats against the white snow and then the brown tones really makes this a special photograph. The hounds are brilliant too. It always amazes me how they manage to avoid getting squished by the horses. Again, one possible way to improve this might have been to frame it slightly over to the right with the front rider closer to the left-hand third of the image. This might have made it a little bit stronger composition, but it's great as it is as well and I'm pleased that you braved the cold to capture this wonderful image. And the winner of the January assignment was a very deserving Christopher White with A Simple Life. Here's what Chris has to say about the image. This past February, my family, myself, my wife, my two young daughters, travelled to Sri Lanka for a five-day vacation. As always, I did my photography research on subjects and locations to shoot. The Sri Lankan stilt fishermen are the iconic symbol that I knew I had to find no matter what it took. The desire continued to build as I read about their traditions and methods. Apparently the practice was in declining existence prior to the tsunami of 2004 and is in very minimal existence after that disastrous event devastated this particular coast of Sri Lanka around Gali. Sri Lanka lost over 35,000 lives in the worst known human disaster to have hit the island in its history. After a long flight and drive, we arrived at our first hotel in Gali. I had already planned for sunrise and sunset trips to the coast between Gali and Weligama, where the stilt fishermen continue to practice this old tradition. Without any issue, we arrived at a few different areas where men were perched, but normally only uh, a couple of them. I had an objective of finding five or more together, and luckily enough, after about 30 minutes of driving, I found five men all perched in a nice row. I spent a couple of hours at sunrise and sunset shooting at different angles and exposures. I felt that the ideal shot would be one rather low to the water with the men offset against the sky with some dramatic clouds and taken at a slow enough shutter speed to allow the water to blur while trying to keep the men sharp. With myself and my tripod perched about three feet into the water, I used a circular polarizer to cut the glare off the water, add contrast to the clouds and to allow a slower shutter speed. I also bracketed most of my exposures. Caught up in getting the photo, it took me a while to realise that these men used no bait and were simply pulling fish from the water with a lone hook. Stilt fishing is said to be one of the most sustainable fishing methods, at least for the fish and the environment. I'm not so sure for the fishermen. 
To my delight, this particular image jumped out at me once I sat down to start editing in Lightroom. This one was exposed to the right, uh, to the right, two full stops, to attempt to provide some light on the fisherman while holding the highlights. I first cropped the frame to my favourite wide dimensions of 27 by 64 as this was my plan when setting up to take the image and it's perfect for a two-page book layout. It fits a blurb large book two-page two spread perfectly. I then pulled the overall exposure down minus 15 and added two graduated filters, one for the sky pulling it down two stops and one for the uh, for the water adding a half a stop of light and reducing the clarity. My objective was to emphasize the mood with the drama in the sky and the highlight of the mo- uh, and highlight the motion of the water while drawing your attention to these truly unique fishermen perched on their stilts. The other primary adjustments were bumping the vibrance uh, plus 33, saturation plus 7 and the blue and the red and orange channels by approximately plus 10 to plus 20 to get the mood as I remember it that evening during sunset. I also have some other images of these fishermen that I was quite happy with from my trip posted on my website. Unfortunately, like you Martin, I'm consumed by a full-time job that doesn't allow me to do as much shooting as I was like. Luckily, I've had the opportunity to visit and shoot some wonderful locations throughout Southeast Asia. As a little critique for myself, I wish I'd paid slightly more attention to get a very tiny extra inch of uh, on the on the right of this particular frame to allow the entire pole to be surrounded by sky. I experimented with in post with cropping cropping it out and chose not to do so as it's it it just isn't the same for me it adds a sense of solitude by seeing the empty pole up close on the right of the frame and helps to provide further insight into what they're sitting on another 15 yards out into the ocean regardless i still love the image the experience and the memory that goes along with the photo shot with a 5d mark ii and a 24 to 105 l lens at 24 millimeters, ISO 200, one second at f8. Wow, Chris, uh, th- thanks for sharing the amazing photo and an amazing backstory to go with it. The image jumped out at me from the gallery as soon as I saw it. It's it's simply incredible. Kudos too for doing your homework and knowing exactly what you want. You know what you wanted there. It worked out perfectly. I think the post-production work that you did on the image has enhanced it a lot, though I haven't, of course, seen the original. It just works, though, so well done. I agree with your self-critique about the stilt to the right. I think also, if you hadn't gone a little wider, you could have um, also gone longer and not included that right stilt at all. Um, you know, I, I take your point about having the having it there for context, but you have... A second stilt, um, the the third one in from the left is is there still to provide contact uh, context. So I think that you may be able have been able to improve on perfection uh, by cropping in just a little bit more. After all, 
congratulations though really it's it's a masterful incredibly well executed image thanks for getting involved let's take a look now at the winners of the march assignment which was on the theme of dutch angle in third place we have dennis brennan with peekaboo poppies and here's what dennis has to say about it it was getting to be towards the end of the month and I hadn't made much time to get out shooting. Even worse, I didn't have anything compelling to submit for the Dutch Angle assignment. I figured I would take a Sunday morning ride over to the local gardens to press the shutter a few times. Maybe I'd even find something there that I could use to submit. I wasn't sure exactly what I would see that would be suitable for the assignment, but I knew the gardens had been featuring a display of beautiful Himalayan blue poppies, and I didn't want to miss a chance to shoot them. I arrived just as they opened at 9am, set up and started shooting. I wasn't looking hard for a Dutch angle, more keeping an eye out and an open mind for the possibility. I came across the three blooms that you see in the image and studied them for a bit. The subtle colours and light in the distant background were creating a bokeh that looked nice through the viewfinder. I was initially a bit frustrated trying to line up a, a shot straight on. There were some stray leaves and stems in the left that were fairly distracting in the composition. I just couldn't find, I just couldn't get a shot framed right and then realised that if I tilted the camera, it could work. And there they are, as framed in camera, three little peekaboo poppies. So, ashamedly, the angle was more about getting rid of distractions than creating a preconceived Dutch angle, but it seemed to work out okay, I guess. There wasn't much to do in post, just saturation, a touch of vibrance, and some mild curves in Lightroom. Thanks again to those that gave me a vote, and as always, thanks to Martin for pulling it all together. Well, I'm pleased that those distracting leaves got in the way, Dennis, as I'm sure you are too. I love the angle here, albeit almost accidental, and that background light is great, as you say. This is actually something that I do look out for a lot with flower shots, so, you know, with the flowers in the shade, but a nice bright background. You utilised it very well. The composition works great too, with the largest flower on in the top of the frame, and then the middle middle one um, and the bottom in the bottom right there, and then the smallest uh, flower uh, looking the other way, a little bit further down on the bottom left. Great work. Next up in second place is Super Digital Girl with the Potter. Leslie didn't give a backstory, so here's my two yens worth. I think the Dutch angle has been employed very well here, and cropping of the spinning turntable, as well as uh, having it tilted over like this, adds a lot to the image for me. The aperture was uh, you know, very wide at f2.2 with a 50mm lens, and Leslie did get uh, well, did do well to get both the face and the potter's hands uh, in focus. They're, it, they're so important to the, to the craft and to the image as well. The sepia tone is masterful too, probably matching the tone of the clay. Uh, so, you know, all in all, just congratulations on a great second place. Finally, 
steaming towards another win and the grand prize sponsored by our sponsors WebSpy. We have Mr. Nikon or Dan Newcomb with another classic, 3.27am. Dan starts his backstory post with, Just before the backstory, I want to thank everyone for all the votes, WebSpy for sponsoring and Martin for making it all possible. Well, Dan, you're very welcome, and I want to thank you for getting involved each month and for providing such detailed and interesting backstories here too. And here's the rest of that backstory. When I heard the theme for last month, I wasn't sure what a Dutch angle was. Upon looking up the definition, I realised I was more familiar with the film term canted angle. This technique conjured up uh, scenes from Twilight Zone and scary movies. So right out of the gate, I knew I was going to do a black and white photo and I had a basic composition worked out. I wanted to have a human silhouette in the upper right corner holding some kind of weapon with something in the lower left corner. I wanted to use a human hand possibly holding something, but I couldn't be in two places at once and I'm not allowed to do a composite. So I thought about it over the next two weeks. Early in March, I started what I thought was going was a two-week work trip in to northern British Columbia. This meant that I could be home for the last two weeks to complete the assignment. As usual, the trip went longer, uh, six weeks and counting. So I had to make do with what I could find in this small town of 4,500 people. I decided I could use a doll for the lower left of the photo. I've always been a little freaked out by dolls, especially the antique ones. I couldn't find an old doll, so I ended up buying this one at the only dollar store in town. It was dressed in a bee outfit. I removed the striped coat uh, for the photo, but kept the antennas because they just looked strange. I, of course, told the cashier it was for my niece. I didn't want to, to even try to explain the photo to the lady. The next challenge was to find a location and work, to, and work out the lighting. I didn't bring my flash on this trip, so... I had to come up with something else. Luckily, I noticed some lights my co-workers were using in the warehouse where we store our equipment. These are the dual floodlights on a stand that can be purchased in any big box uh, hardware store. I needed a doorway for the figure to walk through and the warehouse door seemed to fit. I waited until everyone went home and set up the, the floodlights outside pointing in the door. I wanted a low camera position for the doll and I used a clamp to secure the camera to a wooden shelf about 8 inches from the ground. I decided to use my 24mm tilt shift lens. With the camera on the Dutch angle I leveled the lens and shifted the lens up. This gave the effect of bringing the background closer I decided to go with 800 ISO and F9. This did a few things. It gave me close to half a second of uh, shutter speed as I thought I could move slightly to, to show motion. 
since I was focused so close, this still gave me a shallow enough depth of field so the figure in the doorway was out of focus. I placed the doll uh, a foot or so in front of the camera and lit it with an LED headlamp that I put on, uh, that I put on the ground. I walked over to the door and triggered the camera with an infrared remote set to delay. I was holding a large knife that I borrowed from my hotel room and pulled up the hood on my coat. I did a few test exposures and wasn't happy that I was blending into the door frame. I decided to light a few pieces of crumpled paper on, f on, on fire and blew them out. I placed them in the shadow on the left side of the picture and the smoke slowly drifted out the door. I also lit a cigarette to add more smoke. I took a number of shots and finally decided uh, I probably had a keeper. I was re relieved that none of my co-workers stopped by because I didn't want to explain what I was doing after hours with a knife, doll, camera and smoke was coming out of the warehouse. I was also happy that the smoke detectors didn't go off. For post-processing, I converted it to black and white and played a bit in Silver Effects Pro. I also did a little burning and dodging. I, as usual, I forgot to bring my monitor calibration device on this trip, so I was a little worried about how the final image would show up on other people's monitors. Overall, I was satisfied with the photo's feel. It seems to have a strange mood to it. I think an old possessed looking doll may have worked better, a bit better. Sometimes you just have to make do with what you have. Damn, you take make, making do with what you have to a whole new level. Once again, you went to great lengths to come up with an awesome, amazing, totally incredible shot. The backstory really helps us to understand how you... Um, initially sort of perceived the shot then built on it uh, with the props and the use of gear in ways that most people would simply never come up with myself included there's really nothing I can add comment wise to this other than I, I just really love the image I actually think that the doll as it is adds so much I'm pleased that you didn't find anything else congratulations on yet another first place and thanks to everyone that participated in both of these assignments, and thanks to all of you that took the time to vote. Thanks also um, from me as well to WebSpy, our sponsors, for making these funds available to get some great prizes for the six-monthly grand prize that we'll be closing off with the May assignment. Note, from next month, we're going to be, re be reducing the voting time from two weeks to just one week on request from the MVP community. This means that you'll have until the end of the 7th of May to vote for the April assignment, so try not to miss that. Note too that I've changed the theme for my blog over this last week. I have a thousand or so images in a photo shelter archive and photo shelter just worked out a deal with graph paper press who make great wordpress themes for photographers videographers and artists so it's now possible to deeply integrate a wordpress blog with photo shelter 
so that they share the same theme. This is possible with around seven themes at the moment, though that will probably increase. It's great to be able to take people over to Photo Shelter without the um, look and feel changing, which is something that's bothered me for a while now. So kudos to the uh, guys over at Photo Shelter and the Graph Paper Press people for sorting this out. Thanks for listening today, and remember that you can find me on Flickr and Facebook, as well as Twitter and of course my blog and the Photography Forum. All links are on the top page at martinbaileyphotography.com, so drop by and check that out. And I'll be back next week with another Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. But in the meantime, you just have a great week, whatever you do. Bye-bye. This is Dave Warner, and I'm the host of the LensFlare35.com podcast. Each week I bring you interviews with some of the top photographers using digital SLR cameras. They share some of their coolest tips and tricks, techniques and news about what they're up to. So please take a moment to visit the website or subscribe to LensFlare35 on iTunes. Hi, this is Jeff Curto, and I hope you'll tune in to Camera Position, my podcast about the creative side of photography. As a 30-year professional photographer, I have long believed that the why of photography is a lot harder than the how. What do we do with it? How do we express ourselves? How do we continue to pursue our passion in photography? And that's what Camera Position is all about. Find me at cameraposition.com or on the Photocast Network. Thanks. The Martin Bailey Photography Podcast is a proud member of the Photocast Network. Find this and other great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com.